Welcome to this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Ruth Browning. For more information on our church, visit c3church.narara.net. Praise God. Father, thank you so much for your anointing, for your presence. Father, I pray that you'd speak to every one of us, Lord God, and that we'd learn something today and we'd get better today, Father God, from your word. Thank you for the power of your word to change our hearts and minds. In Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. Give someone a high five. Bless them. Come on. Praise God. It's great to be in church. Great to see you on this wonderful day. So yes, the Apostle Peter wrote the book, One Peter, all those years ago, a couple of thousand years ago, and here we are reading it today. Imagine that. Imagine writing a book they're reading 2,000 years later. That's pretty good, isn't it? That's the Word of God. So um, you can sit when you're ready. I I just thought maybe you wanted to accompany me, that's all right. um, So 1 Peter, let's just have a look at 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 13. If we can see that on the screens, that would be fantastic. And we're going to read from verse 13 through to verse 16 right now. So it says, therefore, this is a New King James Version, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, And rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to your former lust, as in your ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, be holy in all your conduct. Because it is written, be holy because I am holy. Praise God. So I have 10 verses to go through and the Word of God, I'm so excited when I preach the Word of God because I'm just, there's no way there's enough time. I said to Chris, I said, we can't, we can't do this book in a month. You, start, you, you look into one verse and you're stuck there and you realise, I just want to preach on one verse. I, I can't even get through 10. So I'm going to struggle to get through these 10 verses. But it, it's the Word of God. It's so rich. It's so amazing. Verse 13, let's begin there. He says, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober and hope, hope fully, hope completely. That word there is teleos. It means completely. That's the Greek word. Completely, fully or perfectly. Hope perfectly. Hope completely. Hope fully in the grace that's going to be revealed to us at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Hope is very prominent in the New Testament. It's a wonderful, noble quality and it has power to change us. Because of what Jesus has done for us, it's very, it's very enabling, if you like. It helps us to fly like an eagle instead of muddling around in the, in the dirt and the grub and the mess of this world. And this world is very messy, as Chris was pointing out. There's a lot of stuff going on. And it's very easy to get depressed. It's very easy to get down because it's like, uh, it's, just, it's just a mess. What's going on? It's, it's not looking good. But God is the God of hope. And God is in control. And while it might look a bit messy, it reminds me of my son going out and eating snails when he was young. You know, that, that didn't look good. That, he, it was Hudson. He, it wasn't Luke. It was Hudson. He, he was um, 
He, he was about two or three and he normally gets really hungry for breakfast and he wasn't hungry. Chris was out in the garden, working out in the garden. I thought, where is he? He's not hungry. He's not making a noise. So, you know, when you go out hunting and it's quiet, it's always bad when your child is quiet. Hayley, remember that. Quiet is not good. So I went out hunting and there he was in the corner of the garden and he had a snail in his mouth. With the, he was sort of spitting the shells out as he went. And there was a little pile of empty shells of what he'd gone through. He'd found a little, you know, when every now and again you get a real snail spot and he was having breakfast. And um, I just went, right, okay, well, they eat them in France, so I'm just hoping it's going to be okay. So, and it's, but it's, you know, it's messy. It's messy. But in the big scheme of things, in the big picture, as a mum, I'm thinking, he'll be okay. He's all right. A few snails never hurt anyone. So he's good, big and strong now and didn't hurt him. And, you know, God, the things that are going on in our life are a lot messier than people eating snails. But, you know, God's in control. He's the God of hope. And it says here to be filled with hope on the grace that's going to come when Jesus is going to be revealed again. He's coming back. He's going to come back and he's going to sort it all out. He's going to get, get rid of the mess, get rid of all the problems, and he's going to have a whole new rule on this earth and it's going to be good. So we can hope completely in that. We can look forward to that. We can look forward to heaven. We can look forward to this future ro- rule on earth. We don't have to worry too much. I mean, it's serious. There's stuff going on. There's, you know, there's, we're making a mess of our world. We've got, you know, the mess of our climate. We're making a mess with wars and all that. Just, it's awful. You, you, I mean, I went shopping the other day and came back and there was just, you know, I didn't look at social media for one day and I come back and there's another two major world events that are horrible. And it's like, you can't even go away for a day without coming back to something terrible. But don't let it get you down. Be full of hope. Be buoyant, be excited because God is in control and God is looking after individuals and it's going to be okay. It's going to be all right for us. And so we have to fly like the easel and be excited. It's getting better. It's getting better for me because I'm in God. I'm on the winning side. I'm not on the losing side. If you're on the winning side, you don't need to be down. It's exciting for us. We can get excited because we know that God is good. We know that Jesus is coming back and he will destroy evil and he will establish his kingdom. So it's going to be all right. So the Bible says here to to be sober, to be sober. It says to gird up the loins of your mind, be sober and hope perfectly. Hope perfectly. So we have to make a decision to get in that place of hope. And you know in the old days they wore long robes, the men, and so when, when they had to run they would literally sort of pull them up and tie them up to their waist and then they could run. And so that's that image there of, of getting our mind, gathering our thoughts together. It's like, you know, we'd roll up our sleeves or pull ourselves together so that we're in this position of hope because it's very easily, easy mentally to get, to get depressed, to get down. I mean, people just have, no, you know, it's like these thoughts attack us and fears and doubts and worries and depressions and people just, just run with it. They have no capacity to deal with it anymore. But the Bible says, no, we have to gather our thoughts together and be sober. And I love that word sober. That's nepho. That's basically cool, calm and collected. And the Bible is telling us to do it. It's not asking us. It's not saying try to be like this. It's saying this is a command. You've got to pull your thoughts together so that you can be in full of hope. Because if you don't pull yourself together, you're going to be bombarded with all sorts of negativity and horrible thoughts. And you'll find it very hard to be, to be hopeful. You'll get down. You'll get, you know, and so many people are mentally lazy. They're untidy. And they just think, well, I can't help. It's just how I feel. It's like, 
But we know that every one of us has sat through an exam, knows the feeling of pulling your brain together. We've all sat through an exam. It might have been a while for some of us, but you know that feeling when you, you've got this and that going on, but it's now, now I've got to do this. And you just have to go, zoom. okay, right. And you have to think, you have to gather your thoughts together and you have to be disciplined. You all remember that feeling, don't you? Some of you are in it right now. So that's what we've got to do in life. We've got to go, okay, I'm just going to gather my thoughts together. God is in control. It's okay. Pull my thoughts together. Be sober, mentally sober. I mean, be sober with all things, of course, with alcohol, with food, with, you know, materialism, with entertainment. You can overdose on a whole bunch of stuff that causes your brain to like that. And that's not wise. One of my great friends, McLaren, said, A man has only a given and definite quantity of emotion and interest to expand. And if he flings it all away on the world, he has none left for heaven. So you've only got a certain amount of attention, a certain amount of mental and emotional energy. And if you, you know, if you fling it all away and just gorge on movies and books and oh, it's so sad, you you haven't got enough focus to remember what really matters to be fixed on that exciting hope on what God has called us to. So we have to, be, we have to mentally pull ourselves together and we have to have that, that sober, cool, calm and collected and we have to physically do it. And I encourage you, some people just allow their thoughts to go crazy. Others just don't deal with stuff. Worries or thoughts come in and go, oh, I'm just not going to think about it. And that's okay, but so long as you're not just shoving it all under the carpet. The best thing to do is to, deal, to go to God and deal with the issues that come into our brain. So, okay, what's going on, God? I had it just the other day. I felt, I felt down. I felt depressed. I felt horrible. I felt like a failure. I don't know. I felt everything. I didn't even know how I felt. You know, sometimes you just feel bad. You don't even know why. And I don't even know why I feel bad. So I went home and I did exactly this. I went, okay, Ruth, pull yourself together. What are you thinking? What do you feel? And I wrote down, what, what do I feel bad about right now? And I, wrote, I thought, well, maybe this, 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 and this. I, th- I thought, okay, okay, what, what, what? Sometimes I go, what? What are you saying, devil? Come on, come on, give it to me. Come on, what, what, what? I identify what's going on. I think, what, are you telling me I'm a failure? Yeah? Who are you to tell me I'm a failure? What, what are you saying? You're saying I'm getting old? Well, I am. I'm going to get a new body, though, so that's all right. So, you know, what, what exactly is it getting you down? Sometimes you identify it. I write it down. And then I look at it and go, I can deal with that. What does the Word of God say? Right. Word of God says this, 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 and this. I write down. I write down the opposite, and then I go, okay. And then I felt great. That's pulling yourself together. That's pulling your mind together. That's not allowing thoughts to just vaguely make you feel bad. People get these thoughts, feel vaguely bad. They don't know why. They go to the doctor. The doctor doesn't know why. They, they, you know, you can feel like that for, for days or weeks or years. The Bible says we can pull ourselves together, and in pulling ourselves together, we can have this wonderful hope. Wonderful hope. We can be excited. We don't have to feel this vague feeling of unease. We can be excited because God is good. He's good. It's gonna, he, if you're with God, it's going to work out. You know, I had my birthday last week. Thank you for all the well wishes. Ta-da. I was very blessed. And when my birthday comes around, now we all have different husbands, so I don't want you to feel jealous, but my husband is very good at getting presents. That's just one of his strengths, okay? They're all different. My father, on the other hand, has bought me three presents in my whole life, and they were all gardening tools. <laughs> a hoe, a, he bought me a hoe and two shears. That's what, that, yeah, both the same. So actually, two, 
So, you know, I grew up not getting presents. That was, that was fine from my dad. Mum was okay, but dad, he didn't do presents. But I married a man who did presents. Hey! So there you go. Um, but I get excited. I'm very hopeful when my birthday comes around because Chris just always does these amazing things. I don't know. I think surely we're running out after all these years. But, you know, he always does wonderful things. And recently, like, I just, just share this with you because it's sort of cute. But um, I just have a sense of hope. And he lived up to expectations this year, again, apart from all the little extra. He gives me extra presents that are like the main presents. But this year I, um, I commented on a pair of earrings that Princess Kate had and I said, they are the perfect earrings. I love those earrings. Now, I assumed they were like diamonds and you couldn't, you know, just out of our league. But anyway, Chris just noticed my comment, got online and started Googling about Princess Kate's fashion, which I think is very cute because that's not what he usually Googles. So he's looking, he's looking up. <laughs> well, as far as I know, it's not what he Googles. I mean, maybe he's got a, a secret fashion thing that I don't know about. But anyway, so he's checking up about Princess Kate's fashion, particularly her earrings, finds the exact earrings in, in previous pictures of her and goes, they're the ones. Then he has to find out the name of them, which isn't necessarily easy to find. Okay, they're the ones. And what, what are they? So he finds, he gets, and, and then they've said, oh, these are this particular British designer. Then he contacts the British designer, buys the earrings. Turns out they weren't diamonds, so they're kind of in our range, so that's okay. So buys the earrings, gets them sent out to um, Australia, and I open them up for my, my present. So... I'm wearing the very same earrings as Princess Kate. So how cute is that? Come on. Come on, guys. Come on, guys. Lift your game. Come on. (laughs) Honestly, honestly, I'm looking out. I'm looking out. The girls are all looking really happy and the guys are all looking really annoyed, right? This moment. Oh, thanks, mate. Thanks. Thanks. Great. So what? It's like Princess Kate's jewellery now, is it? Like, great. But... He's bad in other areas. I'll get to that. So, um, but my point is, the hope that we have is not, the hope is in a person. I have a great hope in that regard with Chris with presence because he's good at it. God is good at everything. God is going to bless us. He's going to rearrange the world. He's got, we've got this fabulous eternity. God is good. So our hope in God is amazing. Now let's move on. That's one verse. See what I mean? We've got problems. So verse... And then he says in verse 14, as obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, be holy in all your conduct because it is written, be holy because I am holy. So this hope leads to holiness. Now, sometimes the idea of holiness is a bit of a, it can sound a bit serious and not fun. We've got to be good. But it's because we're so full of hope, because we're so excited about the future, we're energized to be ready for that future. We're energized to be the best we can be for that future. We're energized to be holy, just like God. God is awesome. And when we find out how awesome he is, we want to be like him. That's true worship is to desire to be like the person you're being like, to, that you worship. Holiness is not somber and boring and dull. Holiness is brilliant, exciting, stimulating, incredibly self-controlled, incredibly excellent in everything and incredibly beautiful. Holiness is the most beautiful quality of all. When we look at God, he'll be so holy that he's so beautiful that we'll barely be able to manage to look at him. He'll be so beautiful. It's a blazing. He wants us to be blazing with holiness. We have his DNA. We're born again. 
Jesus lives in us. When we become a Christian, we're born again. We ask him into our heart and now we can be holy. It's hard before. You try your very hardest to be good. People try to be good, but it's really hard. You know, that sin just pops out in other ways. Even people who kind of half manage to be half good then get sort of proud about it. (laughs) And that's the worst of sins. But once Jesus is in us, we have this hope that we can really live like him. We can really be better. We can really be holy. And it says that like an obedient child. Be an obedient child. And, you know, anyone who's a parent knows a disobedient child is not fun. People in the world, they go, oh, yeah, no, it's cool. I just do what I want. It's not fun. Disobedience is not. Rebellion is ugly. I mean, you go all the way to rebellion and we're talking criminal rebellion and that's ugly. But all forms of rebellion are ugly. You see a nasty, rebellious child. Or you, we've got a lot of teachers in here. You know what it's like. You can pick them. They come in, they're going, yeah, yeah. And it's, it's, it's not nice. It's not ugly. And it's not productive. So God calls us to be obedient to God. Whatever God tells us to do, we do it because he's good. He wants to bless us. He doesn't want to upset us. You know, I had lots of children and I have to say that Luke was my most obedient, naturally child. I know. (laughs) Putting it out there, Luke. Sorry, mate. I'm putting it out there. And he was easy to raise and it was a delight. They're all... They're all wonderful. Oh, yeah, well, we had various reward charts. They all failed because Luke would always win. So then we had to do different things. But it's a delight to have an obedient child. He wasn't always perfect. But that one particular thing, I remember, I remember one instance when Chris had forgotten something. So he raced back in the car. You know, we finally packed them all in the car. You know how you do. You shove them all in, pack them up, click them up, whatever. And we finally got back. And then he'd forgotten something. So he had to get out of the car and get something. And he goes, right. I've got to get someone, nobody move. Because he didn't want anyone to get out of the car because it takes us so long to pack them in, right? So he says, nobody move. So he gets out of the car and I think I might have got out as well. And then we come back and Luke was literally sitting like this. And, and, he, goes, and, he, and he goes, Dad, Hudson moved. <laughs> he was so obedient. I love it. So this is pleasing to God. God is saying, I want you to be like that. We can learn from obedient children. We can learn. It's good to obey God because you know what? He's good. He wants to bless you. He wants to look after us. He's not asking us to do stupid things. He's just saying, stay with the wife you've got. Don't go mucking off with another one. He's just saying, don't steal from the shop. Don't steal from anyone. It's not nice. You know, be kind. Don't gossip. I mean, God's not asking us to do weird things. He's asking us to be obedient because look look what he says about about our former behaviour. Don't go back to your former lusts as in your ignorance. And in verse 18, he speaks about aimless conduct received from your fathers. Look at those three things. Don't fashion yourself after the world. The world actually promotes lust. Lust in the world is cool. I mean, there's an ad at the moment. And it says, obey your mouth. I think it's Cadbury. And it's like, oh, have more chocolate. Obey your mouth. I'm like, it's kind of a joke. I know. I don't take it too seriously. But seriously, that's, that's like if you listen to your mouth all the time, we'd all be fat. It's gluttony. It's just like, obey. I, and then I, I actually Googled sinful ads. And it's just terrible what's out there. It's like, be tempted. You know, have more of this. And there's women everywhere. And uh, you wouldn't, I was really quite shocked by some of the ads. I, I, it's, it's like, that's cool is to... To be sinful, be tempted, you know, that's, the world thinks lust is somehow okay. It's not okay and it doesn't end okay. 
It ends in a big mess. Believe me, you've been around long enough, you know that. And so this concept of lust, and it says, as in your ignorance, it's ignorant to think that lust will lead to a better life. It's ignorant to think that, you know, God is not, doesn't even exist or that he's not good. It's ignorant, actually, the Bible says. Those of us who speak to him every morning, we know he exists because I talk to him all the time. It's impossible for him not to exist because he's just constantly blessing us. He talks about in verse 18, he speaks about this aimless conduct, profitless. Don't go back to that. The Jews didn't think their, their conduct was profitless. They thought they were obeying the law and doing a good thing. And we see people do that. Busy, 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 busy to get more money, to get the house in Sydney so that they can be busy, 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 and then they can die, you know, and, and not even have it right. It's just, it's what, of what profit is that? What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his own soul? That's profitless. You might think there's a name there, but there's not, especially when we know that Jesus is coming back. This earth is just preparation time for what will be really happening in heaven. Our positions here are only temporary. God will position everyone where they really belong. So as obedient children, don't conform to these things. But as he who called you is holy, be holy in all your conduct. Our standards are low, but we must lift our standards to God's standards and be holy and amazing. And it's exciting. It's fun to see how holy you can be. I find it very challenging. Can I get through a whole day and never... Not once, never, never, never let out an ugly word or a gossipy word or, a, or an, an inappropriate word. What, have you ever tried to do that? It's very hard. I love to try. Every morning I wake up and say, okay, I'm going to try today. How good can I be? How, God, and I'm like, I need your Holy Spirit. And, and, and then usually, I, oh, that wasn't quite right. That wasn't it. I didn't quite get there. But it's exciting to try and it's exciting to try it with God because he gives you endless possibilities. I saw a TV show once with his lovely Amish family and they were clearly Christians, clearly born again, just beautiful, beautiful family. And she was so, their, their morality and their purity was so different from ours and it challenged me, you know. Sometimes I think we, we think things are okay and I, I don't think she would think they're okay. You know, I, I get challenged by that. And I think sometimes we can, we can feel like, oh, this is all right, this is all right. It's like, is it? Is, would Jesus watch this show with you? You know, would Jesus be listening to this music? I, I just really get challenged by how holy God is and how holy we can be. And one of the things that struck me was they were being interviewed and the interviewer said to her, because she was having lots of kids, and said to her, have you ever thought about um, not having so many kids? And she, she went... I think I know what you're talking about. But we believe children are a blessing from the Lord. And I was just like, oh, she's so beautiful. Like, I think I know what you're talking about, as in contraception, you know. But she was like, whoa, okay, uh, we, children are a blessing. I'm not going to stop a blessing. And I was so challenged by that. I thought, wow, you know, like, I've I got to admit, I, I, I kind of can handle contraception. I know the kids' church workers can handle contraception, but um, 
because <laughs> we'd have a lot of kids out. We'd all, none of us would be in here. We'd all be out looking after the kids. But, you know, it's challenging when you see someone whose standard of holiness is higher than ours. I mean, let's face it, that's what the Catholics apparently still believe. They're not all having 10 and 12 kids like they did when I was a kid, so I'm not sure if they still believe that. But, you know, that was, that's a standard of holiness. And so we have to go before God with some of these things and go, okay, God, well, you know, and you have to – some things it's not super clear in the Bible, so we have to really – listen to God and feel where we're comfortable with. But it, it is challenging to see other people's levels of holiness, isn't it? And think, wow, okay, look at that. Be holy in all our conduct. That's what he says, in everything that we do. So we've got to, you know, be holy in our study, holy in our work, holy in the way we eat, holy in the way we speak, in all our conduct. That's an interesting concept, isn't it? Can you play a holy game of hockey? I think you can. I think you can also play an unholy game of hockey. I can tell you when someone starts bashing you with their stick, you think, okay, that's not very nice. So we've got to look at God's standards and lift ourselves constantly to those standards and be excited about them and understand that when it comes to holiness, we tend to have a, a set of a, a way of defining things for ourselves and a different set for other people. So... Now, now it's babe, I've got to balance it out now, darling. So, so for example, sometimes my perfect husband gets a little bit angry about things that perhaps he shouldn't. He's a little bit rushed. Yeah, I know. He's not Mr. Calm, Mr. Gentle. I know that might surprise you, I'm sorry to say, but he's a little bit sometimes, a little bit rushed, a little bit too angry. So I have been known to say, honey, it's okay, just settle, especially when we had four kids running around and it's okay, babe, you know, don't, don't get angry, it's all right. And he'd say to me, I'm not angry. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm not angry. He say, I'm just frustrated. So Chris never actually gets angry. He gets frustrated. So I'll say, okay, honey, can you not be so frustrated? Just <laughs> and so you see, from his perspective, it's not anger. From my perspective and the kid's perspective, maybe. But anyway, but, but then he comes back and says, and says, well, sometimes when I'm venting about things and processing issues he says honey just stop complaining I'm like I'm not complaining I'm just processing so I don't ever complain I process and Chris just never gets angry he gets frustrated so you see we've got to watch this because we're very easy on ourselves and very difficult to other people so here's a few others I have a broad conscience but you're just smutty I have a diplomatic way of being careful with the way I speak. Yeah, or maybe you're just a liar. I, um, I just, I'm just having a break. Or, no, but you are a slacker. I'm funny. I'm just funny. No, you're rude. I'm, I'm cheeky. Well, or disrespectful. I'm just being independent or isolated. I'm just easygoing about things or enabling people. I'm analytical or critical. So be aware that the way that we come across to others isn't always the same way that we see ourselves. And let's not use our own standards to measure ourselves by. Let's sometimes maybe listen to what the people near us are saying because sometimes their perspective isn't altogether wrong. But let's more than that, look at God's standards of holiness and let's be holy because he's holy and let's be like him in this holiness. Hallelujah. So verse 17. 
If you call on the Father who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout your time of your stay here in fear, knowing, verse 18, that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. He was foreordained, foreordained, verse 20, before the foundation of the world but was manifest in these last times for you who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. And so we'll just finish off here. So we've been talking about being holy and he says, you call on a father who judges according to each one's work. And so once again, he's bringing us to this kind of somber place. He says, be in fear. It's actually the word fear. It says, be in fear because God is our father, but he's our judge. And that's okay. It's okay to be aware that God is our father and judge. Any of you who had a strong dad knows the feeling of fear with your dad. You know he loves you, but you know that when you do the wrong thing, you can be a little bit frightened that you're going to get busted big time. And so that fear, judgment and love go together, and that's absolutely all right. And it's not to make us feel down because he's just been talking about the fact that we're full of hope. But it is to inspire us to have a certain trembling awe, not to be casual in our Christianity, not to, be, not to think we can just ignore these issues, not to think, oh, I don't need to think about God for now. I'll wait till I get older. That is not a fearful respect for even on certain issues. Oh, I don't want to think about that. I don't want to deal with that. Or oh, I should be right. It's all right. It's like, no, have a, a certain trembling fear. There is a Christian judgment. There's a non-Christian judgment. God's going to judge everything because it's got to be fair. And even with Christians, he's going to look at us and give us different positions. Did you know that? There are rewards in heaven. There's different authorities. You're going to get 10 cities to rule over. You only get one. We'll all be happy in heaven, but we certainly have different positions. So I look forward to that. I'm like, it's, I, want to, I want to do as well as I can. This is just like, this is like primary school here on earth. I want to make sure that my, my real future, I'm in the best position I can be in. So that, that, that sparks me up, you know, that makes me work hard. That makes me have a sense of trembling because this is important. This is my future. So I'm working all I can to, to live as an obedient, holy person because my, my eternal future is, it, it does have an impact. It will have an impact. And then God is saying that. He's your father, but he's also a judge. And so we tremble knowing that Jesus died for this. You know, the, the price that was paid was not just, you know, I don't know, just a few, even, even animals. It, it, was, it was Jesus. He, he died. It was planned. He's, I'm going to die. I'm going to give my blood so that you can be holy. I'm going to die so that you can live well. And I want you to conduct yourselves here with this amazing love and this amazing holiness and be like him. Praise God. So in this talk of hope and holiness, I just want to finish off with a, with a kind of a cute story. Um, they're all about you today, darling. This one's about you as well. So, and now we're going to finish on a, on a good note. So, <laughs> so um, the, the other day we went to the city and uh, Chris and I, we went on a date, but we decided to ask Eleanor because she was in the city anyway. So we had a, we had a date and, uh, and there was a line of homeless men in the city. They were obviously waiting for food. And one of them looked really cold. He was, it was a very cold night and he just had a T-shirt on and he was clearly shaking. And I heard him say to the, the homeless guy next to him, well, you look warm in that, in that jacket. 
And the, uh, the homeless guy next to him said, he says, is that keeping you warm? And the homeless guy goes, yeah. And he goes, you want it? <laughs> and then the other guy, oh, no, 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 no. And I was walking away and I thought, oh, isn't that sweet? That one homeless guy just was going, oh, you have it, mate. You know, just give away his jacket to the other homeless guy or hungry guy. I don't know what, what they were exactly. So we walked on a bit and I sort of, here we are all rugged up to the nines, you know, in our beautiful clothes. And, um, and we just all sort of went, oh, look, we should give him something of ours. We've, we've got more coats, you know. We, we should give him our coats because we've got more at home. So we kind of just figured out, he was only little, he was a little Asian guy, so we figured out who, whose would fit. So we thought Eleanor's was the best fit. And, and so, um, so we all, no, it was, it was good. We all agreed. It was, it was good. We really taught, we really wanted to bless him and we just, this was the best way to bless him. So it was the best jacket to give. So, so we said, all right, well, you know, and so Eleanor, Eleanor took a jacket off, gave it to Chris, and then he went down to talk to the guy and to give him the jacket. So, and Eleanor and I just stayed a little bit away and just prayed for them. And so he went down and, and offered him the jacket and um, we couldn't hear exactly what was going on, but it, he didn't want the jacket. He said, no, no, I don't want the jacket. I don't want... He said, but you know, later on, he, I could see them having a little bit of an argument. He was trying to give it to him and he didn't want it. So I don't know why he didn't want it. He was just a bit messed up, I guess. But, but Chris obviously witnessed to him and said, well, you know, God loves you and he wants to bless you and we want to bless you and we want you to be warm and looked after. And, you know, and, you know he just witnessed to him and loved him. And then the guy said this beautiful comment. He said, well, thanks. He said, if everyone was like you, it would be paradise here. And I just thought, that's true. That's absolutely true. If everyone was like in that moment of, you know, that Chris was like of, of loving and giving to, to people and just being prepared to, to be holy and beautiful, because that's holiness. That's, that's, that's being like Jesus. If everyone was like that, it would be paradise here. It really would. And it will be. Because one day in heaven, everyone will be like Jesus. And it will be paradise and we'll all be sharing and it'll be lovely and beautiful. And so let's have that hope that ennobles us and enables us and gives us strength and abound in that hope and be excited about it. And from that place of hope, make a decision to be holy and in all our conduct to be pure and excited and and let's work at it and spur ourselves on because we have a very exciting future. So praise God. 1 Peter, that's, it's awesome what God has written. It's awesome what's there for us to learn from. I encourage you to go and look at that yourselves. Let's pray. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Father God. Let's all pray. Father God, Father, we just think about you, how holy, how glorious you are, how amazing you are, how amazing that we can share in your holiness, Lord God. How amazing that Jesus died for us, so that we can. God in heaven, I pray that every heart here would long for you, that we'd all long to be right with you, to be holy with you. Thank you, God. We hope you have enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net.